Here we come to save the day, Nacho Mama's Christine Podcast. Welcome everybody to Nacho Mama's Christian Podcast, the Christian podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm your host, Shane, and good news everybody, I actually have a legitimate co-host with me today. Thank goodness, Eric is out of town, the little sucker. I have my good friend here with me, Justin Allison. Justin, say hi. Hello. Uh, after that intro, I'm only sort of starting to regret this. <laughs> no, you're already taken out to Eric. <laughs> only sort of starting to regret this. So Eric is actually out of town. He is at uh, a teen camp uh, with teenagers all week. And uh, teen camp, actually, that I took you to, Justin, when you mm-hmm. were uh, uh, in the youth group. So a little bit of background on Justin, and I'll let him introduce himself. But Justin was a teenager in the youth group that I was a youth pastor of. For the entire time that he, that I was a youth pastor, basically, and uh, so yeah, Eric is away at this teen camp, and I texted Justin and I said, "Hey, do you want to come on and do a uh, a podcast episode with me?" And he was willing to do that. So, Justin, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, say a little bit about about who you are and uh, and what you're doing now, where you're at, all those sort of things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, lived actually in the Pikesville area, and my family commuted into Ellicott City every Sunday to go to Crossroads Church, which is where I met, where I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then I went off to college at Drexel University in Philadelphia. I just graduated this past June, uh, mm-hmm. and, and now I'm finishing out my lease in University City, Philadelphia. I'm about to move to Chestnut Hill, Philadelphia. And uh, currently, I work in, as a video editor uh, in the marketing department of a luxury watch company. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I, I wanted to have Justin on because I respect his opinion on, on a bunch of things. But um, I also, and I've had the privilege of having a few other people on who have been in the youth group that, that I was a youth pastor of. And so, uh, Justin, I figured that why don't you give a little bit of insight into what it was like to have to be in my youth group or to have me as a youth pastor. What was your experience like uh, since, since we, I talked about how we've known each other for a long time, really since before sixth grade, um, mm-hmm. because we went to the same church for, for forever. But I was, um, maybe not, I wasn't your full-time youth pastor when you first started in sixth mm-hmm. grade, but I was there from sixth through, all the way through 12th grade. So what was it like uh, having me as a youth pastor? Well, so yeah, I, I actually met you right before I went into the youth group um, because we had done uh, uh, something the the church called Kid Stuff, yeah, where we where we had done um, uh, sketches. I think every other Sunday or whatever for um, children and families. Um, so we we met through that, and then I went to the youth group. And so my my experience with with you and the youth group, especially in the in the later later years that was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I started to feel like I had a lot of power. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so either you were a really, really good at listening to students and taking in students' um, comments and thoughts and um, being respectful to that, or you were a pushover. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it was all a facade. It was just to make <laughs> you think that you had some power. Well, no, but actually, we'll see. I don't know. (laughs) Actually, in reality, uh, you you were uh, you were a a kid who never got in trouble like at all during in youth group. So I trusted you a lot more than some than some other kids. I wouldn't give just I wouldn't give everybody the power that I gave you. But you were one who you were there every week. 
you were a part of, um, uh, oh, we did Tim Team, right? Which was like a leadership, uh-huh. mm-hmm. student leadership team that, that you were a part of and, and to give uh, some teenagers a voice in, in the youth group and those sort of things. And so I, I did actually, I did, probably did give you power, but there are plenty of teenagers I could think of where I'm like, you know what? I can't give that guy any power or that girl any power. <laughs> I can't trust them with anything. But I don't ever really remember you getting in trouble for hardly anything in the youth group. There's never a time where I was like, oh, Justin, that punk did whatever. Well, because that, that's uh, – I think there was only one time I can ever remember mm-hmm. actually getting in trouble at youth group. And I was like 12 at one point. It was raining outside. We were all supposed to – because we already started youth group out in the gym with the social yeah. gathering time. And then we move into our sanctuary area for yeah. the service. And one one Sunday, a group of friends um, convinced me to join them on like an escapade outside. And when we were supposed to be in service, we were actually um, by the cell tower getting drenched. Um, <laughs> and that's the only time I ever got in trouble and I felt off. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember that because that is a common thing with youth groups when everybody's there gathering around, they're playing basketball or playing games or talking, socializing, whatever. And then when you're like, okay, let's go, we're going to start youth group, you always get a handful of kids who decide that they're going to try and sneak off and they think that nobody will notice when mm-hmm. in reality <laughs> you always notice. And I would have adult leaders in place looking for those specific kids. But they were never looking for you, Justin, because you <laughs> never did that. But so, yeah, I vaguely remember you doing that. And you were with kids who it was like, oh, yeah, this was a common occurrence. They would do that just about every week. But right. no, well, not you. It, it's with kids who, who, would, who would do it frequently, but uh-huh. also who, like, I was always, like, close friends with. So it wasn't, it wasn't out of the ordinary that I was hanging with. with right. They're all wonderful people. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We're, we're making it sound like they're hooligans. They're no, all, yeah. Like, they're good people. They just, you just I, I wouldn't give them power if I had the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Justin, you, you grew up in the church since you could remember. So give us a little bit of background mm-hmm. as to where you are. Um, spiritually, and where, what's your relationship with the church now? Sure. So, um, yeah, so I grew up going to church. Um, both of my grandfathers are pastors in the church. My uh, my mom's side uh, was a Baptist pastor, and my dad's side a Nazarene pastor. Um, so, obviously, my parents is like two pastors' kids coming together trying to figure out what they were going to do. Yeah. You know, it kind of came with a lot of figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was when I was really young and don't really, uh, I remember us church hopping a lot, but yeah. I did, I wasn't really keyed into like the kind of, uh, conflict or, or you know, that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember like hopping around churches a while. And, uh, for a while we didn't really know where we were going to go to, what denomination we were interested in. And then eventually when I was uh, in elementary school still, a family invited us to Crossroads. And I think what really sold my mom, I think what really, I think what really sold my mom on it was that um, I, I walked away from that first service we attended at Crossroads, clearly having had the most fun I had ever had at, a, mm. at church. Um, and I was never a kid who had to be dragged to church even before then. Yeah. Um, but it was clear that I like really responded to that. I was, I think, I think, AJ Vias was the children's minister yep. at the time. Yeah. And so and I really responded to him and and his program. It was still called like Kids Zone back then. Yeah. Before Upstreet. Uh-huh. And and so we started going to Crossroads and kind of like started like embracing that we were going to be going to a Nazarene church and that um, which was a different background than my mother grew up in, but like mm-hmm. was kind of falling back into something for my father. 
Um, and so then I kind of grew up and like my four, like formative years as a kid was going to crossroads and more specifically, like the bulk of those years was me involved in the youth group in one way or another. Um, Mm -hmm. and my family was there pretty much every Sunday and I was there pretty much every, uh, Wednesday used to be Sunday nights for, for youth group. Yeah. I remember you being just about at every youth group that we would have and you would go on just about every trip that we would do. I can't Mm -hmm. even, you went to countless mission trips or teen mm-hmm. camps or any of those sort of things we would do something called earthworks do you remember earthworks oh yeah yeah and we would uh like once every couple months we would do a service project uh, to bless other people and that was always the hardest to get teenagers to come to and you were always there for it it would be like you and like two or three other kids every time <laughs> but you were always well, committed well here's the thing like the those were fun for me because also i would point out like um I mean, I, I had good friends at school and in other places, but I would say my closest friends at that time in my life were mm-hmm. usually in the youth group. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to me, that was hanging out with friends on a weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't hard to, like, right. get me, me to want to do that. Um, but, uh, so, 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 yeah, I think, and whenever I, whatever trips I wasn't able to go on was mm-hmm. usually just because my mom said no. Yeah. We've spent <laughs> too like, much money already. <laughs> no, exactly. It was, it was never because I, yeah, no, that I didn't want to or, or whatever. And, right. um, and then, uh, I went, I went away to college for, mm-hmm. to study film at Drexel and then, uh, Drexel has a weird schedule. We usually have year-round school, but freshmen get some the summer off. So mm-hmm. between the summer of freshman and sophomore year, I actually came back and interned at Crossroads. I was your intern for I a summer. The, yes, and I remember. I, I remember when you came back and you and you helped me intern uh, with with the youth group, and I remember really enjoying it. But I forgot that that was something that happened <laughs> for because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Justin interning for me, and it was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I had I had a very good time doing that, um, and uh, I guess I was there. I was it was about three months. Um, yeah, yeah. It was always fun, and like during that time, I I was sent to teen camp as a counselor uh-huh. there. I got uh, and when I did that, and so then I did that, and then um, kind of went back to college. Um, very busy, very uh, you know, kind of stressful industry that I'm trying to go into. And in regards to like my kind of current relationship with the church, um, I'd have to say it's been very, very colored mm-hmm. by the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, whenever I'm back home, I love going to church. Usually, a crossroads or crossroads affiliated church. A lot of times, they'll come to City on a Hill. Yep. When I'm there for my, uh, you know, break, my, my mom usually attends Connections. Yep. Which um, is where so Eric used to work at another church plant that we're part of. Yep. Right. Um, and. You know, still, whenever I, I go to church, I have a wonderful time, and uh, I get something out of it. I, I enjoy seeing the people. Uh, but overall, my kind of struggle with the church was seeing a lot of people who instilled certain values in me that, in my view, they were then going against by supporting a candidate, a nominee, a president who does not in any way share those values. Um, and... So seeing that was sort of a, a kind of a shock and like a jolt to me that I haven't really figured out my place in yet. Yeah. So so the so what you're saying is you've grown up in church your whole life. You've enjoyed it. You've loved it. Got you've had a good experience. But now going away to college and and becoming an adult 
and seeing how the world works in your experiences and what and what you've gone through, and now seeing the way that some people that you have looked up to have reacted to to the way that our country is, or the politics, or w- what have you, that has turned you off at, from from church to a certain extent, correct? Right, it, it, it has, and like you know, um, when when it comes to like politics and such, like it, it's 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 one thing for me to disagree on like what you know what what a city's traffic policies could should be mm-hmm. or how funds for roads should be right, distributed right. that's that's something that's like shouldn't make people mad at each other yeah of course yeah. that does too but it shouldn't yeah, yeah. but 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 i think there are political issues that fundamentally take into question your worldview mm-hmm. and who gets to be considered a full person who like get like they're, they're and when, when it comes to issues like that, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to have difficulty connecting with someone with a very different, like fundamental yeah. view of the world. Right. Um, and, and to see, and to see a lot of people who I know have values kind of turn, like look the other way mm-hmm. at, at someone who I think is not just dangerous, but also just clearly is not the type of person that I, I, I think the church should be supporting in any way. Mm. And I don't, I don't think the church as like an organization has really yeah. supported Trump, but I, I think by and large, you know, evangelical voters have, and it has been, it has been tough for me to see that uh, because I, it, it seems like we're so focused on party lines mm-hmm. that just because someone is running as a Republican we decide that anything they do is okay. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that makes it really hard for me to kind of connect with that community anymore because it's become such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I I understand um, what your thought process is behind that. So talk a little bit about um, going from because a common theme is when somebody graduates from high school going into college, uh, a lot of times they they lose interest in church altogether. So can you talk about that experience for you? What, what has that been like? Have you seen some of those things? And Because uh, uh, that is a big issue with the church in America when people graduate and move off to college, all of a sudden their faith can be lost. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because for me, I never felt like and I never have lost interest. Yeah. Um, if, any, if anything, interest has increased. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, um, I like I, I enjoy talking about issues regarding religion and Christianity and like they, like um, where that intersects with different different parts of life. Um, so I, I certainly I have never had the experience of losing interest. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's about reconciling. It, it, it's a, it's about reconciling like two different. Um, it's reconciling with a, the very specific part of Christianity that I kind of grew up in. It was it was interesting because we um, uh, we had been talking about the podcast startup that's following yep, the church yep, plan. Yeah. One of one of the things they mentioned was that kind of clicked in my head was the different like the different types of churches, and they, they specifically look at the difference between like a white church and a black church, mm-hmm. um, and how I think what I'm sort of have try trying to you know, wrestle with 
is how the specific kind of like community of church that I grew up in is very steeped in kind of uh, conservative evangelical. Like it's a very specific mm-hmm. like part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so my issue is not so much like the church. That's a pretty broad term. That's talking yeah. about billions the church of universal. people across yeah. the world. Yep. Right, that's talking about billions of people across the world with vastly different worldviews and political views and, mm-hmm. you know. Cultures, all uh, those sort of so things, yeah. So what I've sort of wrestled with is specifically with the church community that I grew up in, mm-hmm. which I think is separate from churches as a whole, if Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. And so you talked about the startup podcast, which we mentioned a few episodes ago, and, and we actually talked about you on the episode, and and, uh, and and we were like, I wonder if Justin's going to listen to this, and you texted like <laughs> immediately. But um, uh, the, I, since you live in Philadelphia, and uh, the startup podcast is following a church plant in Philadelphia, talking about what it's like to actually start a church and all those sort of things. And, and I know that you mentioned to me that you want to go and check out the church. Have you been able to, to do that yet? No, I haven't. I specifically haven't gone yet because I don't want spoilers. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I know what you mean because I'm, I'm listening to this this podcast and, and this church and I'm like, oh man, I want to look up this church and see if they have any videos online or sermons online or anything. But then I'm also like, I actually don't want to do that yet because I don't want to spoil the, the podcast. What if it's not a church anymore? What if uh, what if there's a scandal or something? Right. Or the pastor is gone. Like I don't want to I don't want to ruin the the ending for for the podcast more. But I was also thinking since I'm you know pastor of a church plant, like this is the best advertisement that you could ask for as a church plant because this is a podcast that it uh, so many people are talking about. In the church world and uh, all over the place, and people like you in Philadelphia, are like I'm going to go and check this place out. Like that's one of the hardest things with being a church plant is getting your name out there and letting the community know who you are. And so now all of a sudden, this podcast has somebody following him for six months. People are going to be like, "Oh, who is this place? What I'm going to go check out." So if 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 any other sort of national podcast wants to follow me around as a church plant. <laughs> I'd be more than willing to do it, and we could get free advertising out there. I'm, I'm all for it, but I didn't know if you had an opportunity to go check it out. So I'm curious. Once you do go, I want to know what it was like. Well, I'll I'll definitely let you know because I yeah. do plan on going as soon as this mini series is over. Yeah. Well, I have to wonder like what kind of advertising it gives them. Yeah. Because I don't know I don't know what the crossover is with like Gimlet's audience. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Because what's interesting about because in a previous season of Startup, the guy who's hosting this season like has a moment uh, where he's talking about uh, being a Christian in a primarily in a workplace that's primarily people of no religion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's sort of what and that's sort of what got the show to go in this direction. So it's 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 really interesting to see a church based show that's hosted by a Christian but not produced by Christians. Yeah, it gives a different a different perspective, which is really cool to see. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, well, the and I think that the reason why this podcast has resonated with so many different people is because of the storytelling aspect behind it. It, it, it the, the, the way that they put it together is it gives this picture and this story of this church that has been happening. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, Justin, is because with your background in film and Anytime that I go and see a movie I, and I think, oh, that was pretty good, I always think to myself, well, did I just enjoy it or was it actually a good movie? And then I want to know your opinion of it. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, it was a good movie or it wasn't a good movie because you can give good analysis of, of, of a film. 
And uh, basically, though, with what I want to get your opinion on is when it comes to storytelling, why does it resonate with us so much in movies, in books, in sermons, in churches, in all these sort of things? What, what, when it comes to storytelling, why is it so impactful in our lives? I think, I think it's because it's just the most efficient way to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you look at really, I mean, we, we've been doing this before we could talk. This, like, storytelling yeah. predates language. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes it had a very utilitarian purpose. Like, I need to communicate this information to you so you don't get eaten. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then what's really interesting to me is looking at really early mythologies from different cultures that never met each other and seeing the similarities, which oh, says to me point. that there's something there's something very innate about stories and the way we tell them. And our modern day version of that is movies and television. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, the the thing that I one one thing that I think like image that I think says just a lot about how specifically Americans and American families interact with each other is the opening of the Simpsons, which ends with them sitting on a couch and watching TV, which yeah. is a very like iconic, like American image of like the, the, you know, small family, the, the family with 2.5 children who, mm-hmm. you know, sit around the, you know, after dinner or with their TV dinners and watch, watch TV. Yeah. And I, I think that there's something, there's something that we can share with that. Mm-hmm. One I, of my favorite I, things yeah. to do with, with my wife, when we hang out is to watch an awesome Netflix show or watch the latest, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is that we're, that we're really sucked into, especially now with having uh, a, a young daughter who's two years old who has to go to bed at a certain time, we're stuck at home. So a lot of times what we do when we spend time together is we watch a story together, we watch a TV show or a movie together. And I, it's something that, that I just really enjoy doing. And because of the stories that stick with us that go, that go beyond um, just watching something. You know, so when it sure, comes, yeah, good. Um, no, I was just saying, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for you working in the film business, give a little bit of background as to what you have done uh, since you graduated college and what you studied at college and and all those sort of things. Yeah, so um, so I went to school for film and video. Um, I focused in post production and editorial. So um, basically, I, I'm in the I'm in the, the not glamorous part of the process. I'm mm-hmm. in the part of the process after, you know, the actors have done their thing, the directors have done their thing, they've shot the movie, and then you have all this footage, and it's like, well, now what do we do with it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what, what I do is, is very technical, um, very computer-based and, and things like that. Um, I, while I was in school, I did um, three different internships, one at uh, a company called Voltage Pictures, in LA, where which is a film finance act, sales acquisitions, um, you know, producing company mm-hmm. that pr- produced like the Hurt Locker and Dallas Buyers Clubs and such. And I did for them, I did something that's called script coverage, uh, which is basically a bunch. Film executives have a lot of scripts to read every day. Uh, they don't have time to read them, so they have other people read them for them and write summaries, mm. so that the executive can read the summary and make the judgment call on whether or not that script is worth their time. So do they, um, do they read the summary and then say, oh, that sounds interesting, I will read the script, or do they, or is, that, is that how it works? Or they read it and they're like, nope, not even going to waste my time with that. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it depends on the executive, but, but generally it's, it's just a way of, because usually if you're working for a company like Voltage, like you know what that company 
looks for, what types of movies they look for. So it's really easy from a summary to know, okay. oh, that's not within our brand or that's not something we produce or that's either too high budget or too low budget for what we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so it's really just a way to streamline the process. So I, I did that and that's some other like, mm-hmm. you know, just general office work and gotcha. stuff like that for them. And then also in Los Angeles, I did an internship at a company called Trailer Park, which primarily does theatrical trailers for movies. Most movie trailers that you see are from Trailer Park. Um, I worked, uh, I wasn't allowed to go up in the trailer cutting space. I didn't have security clearance. Oh, I was wow. in another department. Yeah, actually, um, cause they're a company that gets contracted that, that Disney hires a lot and Disney has very, oh, very yeah. strict security policies. Mm-hmm. Um, very strict. Uh, so I wasn't allowed up in the trail. I knew some people up there, but I wasn't allowed to go up there. Um, mm-hmm. but I was in the department that was doing a lot of commercials and web content, um, and, you know, ads that would play in movie theaters and such. Yeah. Um, so I was a p- post-production intern, uh, which was a lot of, like, bringing media from person to person and logging mm-hmm. things and, um, you know, I, sh- shadowing people, learning from them. So, so working in this industry that you have been so interested in for, for so long, how has it affected your expectations? Is it what you thought it would be? Um, you, I know you already said that it, it isn't a glamorous uh, job to do. But have your expectations changed? What it, what it, what has gone on with you going into the pulling the curtain back and, and working behind the scenes? Sure. Well, so I would. There are some people that go into it with a certain expectation, and then it's either met or it's not. Mm-hmm. More often than not, it's it's not met, and they're mm-hmm. disappointed. For me, my expectations have changed along as I've kind of gotten into it. Um, what, I, what I'm doing now is a very specific part of media entertainment film. Um, I mean, right now, I work in marketing. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's like, it's like a world that I, I wasn't ever expecting to go into, but I really enjoy. And mm. I'm really kind of enjoying, like, seeing how, you know, video and film and such is used in more than just going to a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um so my expectations have changed, and I'm like really grateful and excited about the things I've gotten to do and the things that I'm I'm doing now. Gotcha. All right. So I know that you have some very strong opinions when it comes <laughs> to a certain certain types of movies. Um, and and you're well, you're you, you you can be a film critic, and you 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 know a lot about stories and the importance of them and all those sort of things. But there's one particular kind of uh, movies that often seem to fall extremely short, and it's uh, faith based movies, you know, Christian mm-hmm. movies. So why why is it that so many Christian movies just suck? <laughs> Justin, can you answer this question for me? Because sometimes they can just be embarrassing with how bad of stories they are. And it isn't always just because they, the, they have less money. It's just bad movies in general. Can yeah. Give us some insight. Um, I, I'll do my best here. Um, okay. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned money because that's often when people say – when people give an excuse for why a Christian movie is bad, one of the first things I always say is because they didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You can make a really great movie with not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, I've seen movies that were made that I love that were made for five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, um, which or, is nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> movies like Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch Project, sure. back in the day—that's a long time ago. But that, and that's yeah. probably not even that well made. But anyways, it was still a movie. You know those sort of movies are made for next to nothing and are still turn out to be really popular, successful movies. Right. And not only that, but 
what I think a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these Christian movies have studio backing. There mm-hmm. is money behind it. Mm-hmm. Not $200 million Marvel money, yeah. but a couple million because studios have realized that there is a market for Christian movies. Mm-hmm. And that market is you have a large subset of the population that feels like they're fighting a culture war, um, feels like they're losing a culture war, um, and feels like Hollywood, which is one of America's biggest exports, isn't making content for them. Yeah. So when it does, so when it does make content for them, they're a very loyal and lucrative audience. Um, mm-hmm. And like I, I've, I can't talk too much about who this person is, but I, I have talked with a, a guy who's produced Christian movies, who is not a Christian, um, has nothing against Christianity, but just I, is, isn't himself. Yeah. Um, and he was he was hired by a studio because he already worked at the studio, and the studio said, "Hey, we're putting you on this project as part of our new faith-based division, because it is a market, and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with it being a market. But I feel like a lot of the consumers in that market don't realize it, yeah, and think that they're getting something right from a pulpit when mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, the and you're right because a Christian market is is lucrative. That's why there are people who will take on the label being a Christian musician or a Christian artist uh, because they know that uh, churches will pay more money to have a, a band come in or a singer come in than bars will um, or mm-hmm. some other secular places will. And so there is money to be had. And I'm sure that that, you know, reaches into the movie world as, as well, because there are people who are, who will say, who are Christians who will say, this is a Christian thing. So just because it's a Christian thing, whether or not it's well done or produced well or put together well, I don't care about any of that. I want to support this because it is about God. It's about Jesus. And right. I and, and people will prey on that and people will take advantage of that, which is a sad thing. Instead of producing something that is worth their time and their effort, they're just trying to make a quick buck sometimes. And I know that's not every situation, but that is a real of thing. Course. Right. And I don't even mind too much people making a quick buck but mm-hmm. then when you when you look at like, movies are hard to make it's really hard to make a good movie most people who make them will make more bad movies than good movies yeah. that's fine but for me at least i want when you're telling a story you're making a movie you're trying to make something to be honest makes make something honest something that's true to you true to your experiences yeah and in my experience a lot of these christian movies seem dishonest to me yeah. because they seem like they're trying to manipulate and they seem like they're trying to force a message. And that's really, regardless of what the message is, when you're trying to force a message into a movie, it rarely works. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and another aspect, particularly when you're trying, when when God becomes a character in a script you're writing, mm-hmm. that's a really weird territory to be in. Yeah. Um, there's a major plot point. There's a major plot point in Courageous where a miracle supposedly happens. And if your argument is that God does miracles in life, but your evidence is something that you came up with, like a made-up miracle, yeah. that's not really convincing evidence. That's really circular. Yeah. Um, and and to me, I just don't like being manipulated, and I also really don't like seeing people I care about be manipulated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good point. But you're right because when it comes to art in general. Art is best done when it is left up to the interpretation of the person viewing or experiencing that art. Now, the artist or the filmmaker or the musician or whoever who, who is the creator of what it is that, is that is being looked at, they had an idea in mind 
But the cool part about it is that it could mean something to the, the creator and an entirely different thing to the viewer and to the person who, or, or the consumer. And um, I think that when it comes to Christian movies, a lot of times there's no room for uh, being left open to interpretation. It's this happened and it was God and it's Jesus and it's wonderful and it's awesome. Boom, black and white. And it's not black and white. But really the, right. the best sort of uh, stories that are told I think of the movie Inception when people – I remember leaving the theater when I saw Inception years ago go and, and arguing with, with people that I went with talking about was it real? Was it a dream? Was it not a dream? All these sort of things because it was left open to, to our interpretation to think about what it actually means and we can all get something out of it and that's the beauty of a good story is that it doesn't have to be black and white. But it can be what does this mean to you in your situation and how can you relate to it where you are at? That is the the best part about art, and I don't think Christian movies do a very good job of that. Right, and look, I think there are a lot of similarities between a story structure and a sermon structure, Yeah, um, which you guys talked about in a recent episode and Mm -hmm. I found really fascinating. But I think there is the one fundamental difference is that at the end of a sermon, you're trying to say something definitive. Yeah, I mean, there might be something, there, there are certainly aspects of any sermon that are, you know, open to discussion and open, but you're trying to, you're trying to say something yeah. pretty finite yeah. by the end of it. Yep. Yep. And a bottom line me, or something. Right. Mm-hmm. To me, the best movies don't have that. The best movies have question marks. And when you eventually have to have a come to Jesus moment, that's just, you're always putting a, a nice bow on the end. Mm-hmm. And what, what that communicates is, is, oh, all I need to figure my life out and to figure my spirituality out is a big experience. And at the end of that experience, I'll have a come to Jesus moment and everything will be all right for the rest of my life. And that's just not true. Yeah, it's not life. And and I think it's it's unfortunate that that's the picture these movies often paint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think a lot of times Christian movies look more like a fairy tale uh, than they do a real-life situation, which is sad because... It's it isn't a it, you know it's not a fairy tale. This is real stuff they're talking about faith and and a God and a Jesus and all of these things. And when you make it this sort of uh, wrapped with a bow and okay everything is perfect, your life will be perfect if you just do this from here on. It's not true, and that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't communicate that. He said, "Look, your life is actually going to be more difficult once you once you start to follow me, once you commit to this, and so on." So it creates. This, this different sort of, of mentality when it comes to watching movies and that Christian movies I don't think always meet our expectations when it comes to that, you know. So, but well, I want to do one more thing, Justin, before I let you go um, that, that, uh, that I am excited. Actually, I, I think I, well, I do know your answer to this, but I want to do a little <laughs> bit of a, of a stupid argument with you. Your favorite candy. Worst vegetable. Best Disney song. It's now time for Stupid Arguments, where we argue about stupid things. All right, so what we want to talk about today, um, Justin is the, the one guy who is the biggest Pixar fan of anybody that I know <laughs> in the entire world. Um, you go and see every Pixar movie that comes out. Like, it, it used, you used to go to like, midnight showings for them even though they don't really do those anymore. Which, see, that's a whole yeah. other thing. You know, this is a side note. This is not a stupid <laughs> argument. But I miss the midnight showings. I know I'm 31 years old. I know I'm getting old. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, it's great. A movie, you can go and see it at 7 o'clock on Thursday instead of having to wait until midnight. But there was something special about the midnight showings. Mm-hmm. Give me your, do, you, do you agree? 
I 100% agree because yes. that midnight showing, you got to feel like you were one of the first people yes. to see the movie. Yeah. And they still not, have midnight showings, but it's not the same because they already had four or five other ones beforehand. Right. And at that point, okay, if somebody, if people, if I'm not one of the first people to see it, then I'm yeah. not staying up till midnight. Yeah. I have yep. to get up in the morning. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, but the whole idea of like, okay, if you want to see this as soon as it comes out, you got to go at midnight. And this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, this is the only time when I missed not having reserved seats. I like having reserved seats in most movies. Mm. But when it came to a midnight showing and you're like, all right, the movie starts at midnight. We got to get there at 1030. <laughs> and you just hang out at the movie theater because you want to get yep. good seats. You wait in line. It's like camping out you know, to get, to get tickets or something or for Black Friday, even though I don't do that. But – I miss that sort of experience. So that, that's a side note. Anyways, so I want to have a, a debate with you, Justin, as to what is the best Pixar movie that is out there. Now, we need to put some rules on this, okay? Okay. Are we talking about I, – I, I don't think we should talk about Disney movies. I think no. we should talk about specifically Pixar because there right. was um, that bracket that came out a few months ago of the mm-hmm. Disney and Pixar movies and we filled it right. out. Remember, but mm-hmm. I'm not talking about your Lion Kings. I'm not talking about your Aladdins. I'm not talking about those sort of movies. I want us to focus solely on Pixar and Pixar only. Right. Do you, does that sound good? That sounds good. And to, to specify for people who might maybe be fuzzy on it is um, there, there are many different animation studios out there. Yeah. Um, Pixar was one that was independent for a while and that was bought out by Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, but they operate separately from Disney Animation, which is another studio Disney owns. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they, they're both um, distributed by the same company under the same company umbrella. Yeah. But they're produced by a different set of people. Because there are some movies that will come out and it's just a Disney movie. And then there are right. movies where it's Disney Pixar. Right, just like Disney also owns Lucasfilm and Marvel yes. and things like that. And you would never say that Star Wars The Last Jedi and Tangled are in the same Correct. category. Correct, yeah, 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 okay. So that's fair. That, that, that's, a good, that's a good explanation. And when, there, there are other ones like DreamWorks. We're not talking about your Shreks. Right. We're not talking about any of those, uh, but uh, specifically Pixar movies. So I'm going to go first, all right, because okay. I, I want to see your, your opinion. And, and I'm kind of nervous that you're going to tear me apart. But I, <laughs> there, are, there are a handful of Pixar movies that I really love. Um, one of them, this is not my favorite, is Inside Out. That is one of my favorite Pixar movies of all time. Um, and especially being a dad with a, with a daughter now, that movie, I don't stand a chance when I watch it. So I really enjoy that. Um, I really liked Coco that, that just came out recently. But mm-hmm. this is probably nostalgia for me and probably why it's number one. Although I still think it's just a phenomenal movie. I'm going to go with the very first Toy Story movie. Was that, was that the first okay. Pixar movie? It was the first Pixar movie, and it was also the first computer animated movie of all time. Oh, wow. 19, I, 1995. Yeah. So um, I remember seeing that in theaters as a kid at like seven or eight years old and, it, and just loving it and it being like one of my favorite movies. And even as an adult, when they came out with like Toy Story 3 a few years ago, I was like, this is wonderful. And it was my childhood coming back. And they're coming out with another Toy Story, aren't they, in a few years? Uh, they, they are. It's it's. I believe it's supposed to come out next year, but it's been in a lot of like strife. So I don't. Uh, we'll see if we'll see. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm gonna um, go we'll with see, the very we'll first see. Toy Story. Yeah. Um. So well, first of all, to put things into perspective, you're talking about the year 1995 when you saw Toy Story and your experience then. Uh-huh. So I, I remember that year very clearly. It was dark. <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> it was silent because I was not born. Uh, so you, yeah, okay. Gee, thanks, uh, Justin. 
I was born in 1996. Uh, um, so you didn't get to see Toy Story in theaters. No, I just grew up with it on VHS. Uh, um, so I I love Toy Story. It's it's a lot of people's favorite Pixar movie. Um, it really laid the groundwork for what Pixar ended up doing. Um, even if you look at the if you look at Inside Out and Toy Story, they're the same movie. <laughs> that's why I like them both. Uh, oh yeah, they it's it's two dueling personalities that are, are like related yeah. to making a kid happy and like you know whatever. Yeah. And they both get lost and have to go on a journey where they learn that both of them are like two halves of the same whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Toy Story really did lay the, lay the groundwork for other other Pixar movies. Um, it, it's not my personal favorite, mostly like cause, just because other ones for me just are, I I have a better connection with. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I would encourage you to go and rewatch Toy Story and uh, look at some of the human characters. Okay. And then try to sleep that night. You might not be able to. Because <laughs> they're terrified. Like, what's the kid next door? Um, uh, Sid. Sid, yep. Sid next door. He is terrifying. And those toys in his bedroom are, are definitely terrifying. Well, right. But also but just like – We've um, we've come a long way with animation technology since 1995, <laughs> um, and uh, those those humans look like plastic robots. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, uh, but no, I I love Toy Story with a passion. I could watch it. Pretty much, pretty much any time. But so that's up there for me. That's my number one. Inside Out is up there for me, um, and uh, those I think those will probably be my my top two. So give me yours. What is your what is in your opinion your, the best Pixar movie? Best Pixar movie, hands down, and will be really hard for a new Pixar movie to beat this for me is Up. Wow. Well, uh, you know what? I, I don't hear a lot of people say that that's their favorite. It's a lot of people, everybody loves it. I don't. I never heard anyone mm-hmm. say they don't like it. But I don't hear very many people say that Up is their favorite Pixar movie. It's it's so wacky and original. But the fact that you know, a major studio's uh, like family film of the year mm-hmm. starred an eighty-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, is is I think really cool, and I think it's one of the things Pixar does really, really well. That's really hard to do. Is what like in film terms is called hit all four quadrants, mm-hmm. um, all four markets. Um, yeah. So adult men, adult women, children, family. Like, and and that's really hard to do. And of of all of their movies, I think this one does the best at because it's about generations and being cross generational. And I have a specific memory of watching it with my grandmother, who was kind of like, "Oh, I'm going to watch this, you know, kids movie with my grandson," and then came out of it very, being very moved by it. Yeah. yeah. And it was a, it was a way in which like two people with completely different, you know, light, lives were able to connect. Yeah, and that and that that I think is just hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I I, I do like Up a lot, um, but it, yeah, I just it just doesn't compare to Toy Story for me. But I, I do <laughs> I do really enjoy. It. Now, how about this? Are there any Pixar movies that you do not like or were disappointed with? Okay, this is a loaded question. <laughs> Am I opening I up a that- can of worms here? Yeah, I think there are Pixar movies that are weaker than others. Okay. Um, I I remember when we saw Brave. You yeah. And I saw Brave. You were, at the same yeah, time. we saw that at midnight. I think. We saw it at midnight back when midnight showings were a thing. Yeah, yeah. And 
Um, I remember being disappointed then. Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever I rewatch that movie, I like it a little bit more because mm-hmm. I know what it is as opposed to what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a movie I was initially disappointed by. Um, everyone likes to bash Cars too. Um, I think there are reasons to bash Cars too. I, I think Mater fundamentally doesn't make sense as a main character because mm-hmm. you want your main character in a story to change throughout the movie, but the whole point of that movie is that everyone around him has to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of weird positioning him as a main character. Um, but also in that movie, Pixar designed the entire city of London in a computer and carified everything. <laughs> so like, I... I don't know how I don't know how you bash a movie that like is that amazingly detailed. So, see from your perspective, <laughs> so, working from inside uh, this sort of area or this sort of business to a certain extent, you notice those things. But it's amazing to me that like I would imagine that would take so much time to do. But then, like to the normal person like mm-hmm. myself going to see it, I would just be like, ah, whatever, and then just like move on right. and not even think twice about it. Well, they did it because the movie ends with a chase scene throughout London, and they just wanted the freedom to be able to go anywhere. So they all like flew all these designers to London, and like mapped out the entire thing, and then built it all in the computer. <laughs> yeah, see, and I never really got into any of the Cars movies. I thought I, I thought they were fine. I never really spent a lot of time watching them. I actually, I actually really appreciated the most recent one. Uh, I actually think Cars Three is the better of all those. Really? Um, yeah, because it, it's. Um, it's a movie about uh, it's it's weird. It's a movie about like privilege and how and uh, and there, there's a really great moment where like Lightning McQueen like is taught and realizes that part of the reason he is where he is is because of who he is. Yeah. Um, and that other people sometimes have to work harder. And it's it's I think a, a really interesting mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and I so I never saw the Good Dinosaur either. Um, I, oh really? Yeah, I've actually never seen it, but I've heard that uh, I've heard people just said it's fine. It's 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 Pixar's weirdest movie. Okay. Um, there's def there's a point where the dinosaur and the kid go on a drug trip for like a second. It's so <laughs> really well, they like th- there are these fermented grapes that they eat, and uh, then like it cuts to them like having like a, a, a trip or something. <laughs> it, it's like a twenty second bit. It's so bizarre. Yeah. And the whole premise of that movie is the dinosaurs are farmers. Yeah. It, huh. So I appreciate the wackiness, and it's also probably the most gorgeous Pixar movie ever. It's yeah. really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I really like it. I think it. Um, there, there's one scene in there that I think is really, really, really powerful. Um, a like almost entirely nonverbal scene where these two characters communicate with each other. Um, so I think it's like all the things I like about a Pixar movie. Yeah but wrapped up into something that just didn't get me or anyone else as excited as the other ones. That's fair. Okay, so your favorite Pixar movie is up. My favorite Pixar movie is Toy Story. I think that, uh, well, how old were you when Up came came out? It was 2009, so I would have been... um, So 12, around there? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's Okay, so a little bit older than when Toy Story came out for me, but it is still like your childhood. So that's probably sure. that something that will stick with you for a long, and that memory with your grandmother. So it, it makes sense why why right. it would be your favorite, even though it's wrong. But it makes sense I, why I mean, that would be your favorite. I, I, I would love to just be able to like um, say that you're wrong because I love saying that you're wrong. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
you're, we're talking about Pixar. Like Toy Story is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't I can't really bash it. That's fair. Even even though Up is the correct answer. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, Justin, I want to thank you for taking the time. And uh, actually, it's nice to have a real host with me for once. And um, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. You're actually doing this on your lunch break, so I have to acknowledge yeah. that. So thank you for doing that. Uh, but uh, it, it was great to have you on, man. And I'm looking forward to to maybe having you on again sometime in the future. That sounds great. I'd love that. All right, bud. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.